0: and Welcome to another episode of Design Under Influence. Uh, we're here from ArcIT. Our job is to help architects manage, wrestle down technology and actually use it so they can focus on their best work and not fiddling with tech. And that's kind of where our mission is, what we do. And today we're going to unpack some things um, regarding remote work. But before we go there to say, happy New Year. This is the first podcast. I have three great engineers here with me today. Understand, like <laughs> they're taking their time to help us kind of really understand this better, to help you as an architecture uh, company leader or um someone who who cares about their company and how to make things better, uh, more efficient, more effective. that's what what that's what they're all about. So, Harry, Henrik and Zaheen say hello to the people and we'll launch right into it.
1: Yeah. Hello,
2: hello, hello, hello
0: here. All right. So those are not paid actors. Those are real people. <laughs> <laughs> uh despite of how good they look and uh all that. So today, today let's let's get into this. Is this is, so the way we do these shows is is we talk about the most prevalent tickets. Um, that we get. And by tickets, I mean requests from our customers who are arch- architects for particular IT-specific support. And then and then we try to kind of uh, help the rest of the community by sharing what some of our advice was, and then was it successful or not? And if it is, perhaps you can apply it to your own case. So today we're talking about remote work, uh, specifically how we help enable remote work or how your IT company or yourself, if you're pretty techie, can enable remote work in your architecture firm. Now, uh, you know, remote is a thing. Uh, you probably already have ways you're doing this to some with some employees, or maybe you're fully distributed and everybody else, or maybe you're still in the office. But if you want to come up with better ways, more economical, more effective, uh, less troublesome and more scalable, that's what we're here to unpack for, for you today. So Harry tells me, and Henrik tells me, and Zahin tells me, there's two main ways. There's more than two, but we're gonna cover two main ways to pipe in to the org and, and be able to work remotely. And those are VPN and remote desktop. Harry, do you have right?
1: Yes, yes. Those are the two main ways that we, that most of our clients use for remote access.
0: So and we enable, we support it, we set it up for them. So let's let's talk VPN now. Please make sure, just don't get too engineering on us as far as your your, your nomenclature. So so keep it at the you know at the layman level, please, because uh, that's where I am uh, and that's where a lot of our viewers are. You know, we run businesses, we need help from IT. You guys are the talent, but please speak to us in our language. Talk to us VPN, and maybe each take a turn a little bit and and. And tell us what the VPN advantages, what it is, and advantages and disadvantages, and how to set it up, and maybe potential problems with it.
1: Oh, Henry, uh, go ahead.
0: Don't all talk at advan-
3: once uh-huh. right. <laughs> uh, So I'll just describe a generic office, right? So if your office has a bunch of engineering workstations, design workstations, architecture workstations, and has a server with some data on it and your office has enough seats for five, 10, 15 people to sit in the office all day and get their work done, uh, and your files live there, then the kind of solution you've probably heard about is VPN. And all that really means is that there's a way for you from home, from anywhere in the world, to connect to your office in some way that's hopefully safe and secure and get access to all those computing resources, but not, not only the computing resources, but the files. And so in a scenario like that, what you're doing is you're at home on a laptop, and maybe your laptop doesn't have the engineering applications on it. Maybe it does, that can be worked out later. You connect via the VPN, you use a login. Hopefully you're also using MFA and now you are magically connected to your work network. And either you're doing one of two things at that point, either connecting to your design workstation kind of working off of it remotely, or you're just accessing and opening up the files that are on the servers at work. There's other use cases, but that's one. Everything lives at work, you're not at work. You connect securely to work that's called the VPN connection. There you go.
0: Hmm. So so what? some of the ways, so are there different companies that provide this uh, VPN service? What's some of the more common ones, Harry or, or Zahin, we're going with, we're advising clients, we're supporting? What's some of the things, maybe some of the ones that have more trouble than the others?
1: For our company, most of our VPN, well, I, I don't want to get too technical, but we tend to use um, the, the Meraki access point just because of how secure it is um, to provide that VPN technology for most of our clients. Um, we do have clients that have different firewalls to facilitate that communication, but um, I would probably say for 90% of our client base, we tend to go with the Miraki. Um firewalls.
0: Well, 90%. That's pretty definitive, guys. So Meraki firewalls is one takeaway. Um, do you see um any bandwidth issues? What's some of the so so when you're sending this first first of all? Let's just take step back. Let's say I don't have anything right now and I'd like to hire my first remote, you know, remote hire, or you know, my um, office downsizing. I'm gonna have three people, three of my architects go remote. Um, what am I going to think about? How am I going to, pro- how am I approaching this decision? Like, okay, I'm VPN, Meraki, but how does that all work?
1: Well, it's it, it's a versus topic, right? Um, the, the other option is also just using the remote desktop. Um, and again, it's similar to the VPN in the fact that you are remoting from an outside network into your office network. The the protocol is different. Authentication mechanism is different. Uh, But again, it depends on what your use case is. Um, Just to elaborate more on what Eric was talking about. If if all your applications and data are on um, the Office network, okay, then you can VPN in. If you have the applications installed in your computer, um, but then the data is also on your Office network, there's also a different reason for that. I mean the, the 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 first scenario, if all your applications and your data was on your office network, it's preferable that you remote desktop into your network because then you can remote into your office computer and access your applications. If your applications are installed on your mobile device, for say your laptop, and all you need is the data that's on the office, on a remote network, it's probably better for you to use a VPN and easily access your data and run your applications on say a more powerful laptop. So it depends on your use case and that would probably depend on what's, whether you're going with a VPN or remote desktop technology.
0: Hmm, That's a very, very good bifurcation, I like this. So let me repeat what I heard and you tell me if I heard it right. So the simple rule of thumb, and this is not applying for everybody I'm, I'm sure, but simple rule of thumb, if my apps, if my applications, we're talking BIM and CAD stuff, right?
1: Correct, correct, architectural programs. If they're
0: installed on my laptop and my laptop is running them, then maybe all I need is remote desktop because I wanna access designs, notes, data, meeting minutes, whatever, from my office, but I don't- Probably
1: VPN in in that case. So you probably just need a VPN just to get the data in order to run the applications that are already installed on your physical device. Um, if the applications, to say you have a less powerful laptop, um, you're running you're running very high memory intensive architectural diagrams. You have a very powerful desktop at the office that's running those programs. In that case, you probably want to use the remote desktop technology where you can remote into that desktop and walk off that desktop.
0: I got you. So I got it reverse, but I essentially understood you correctly. So if my yeah. applications running on a on, on a powerful laptop, all I need is a VPN to get the you know, designs and, and, and other things and collaborate. Right. Mm-hmm. But if if the machine, the more expensive, the real powerful machine that I already invested in sits in my office, then I need probably a remote desktop, right?
1: To that be, operate it. That's we what we would recommend you to go with.
0: All right. Well so that's that's pretty good. Now Zaheen, tell me you you've been a little quiet there, but like have you seen what what potential issues, problems, concerns have you seen with uh, the actual rollout? Let's just, let's go before we go into support aspect of it and want some of the things to be aware of on an ongoing basis during the implementation. What have you seen, some hiccups, some things people need to kind of like clean up right now to help them have a cleaner implementation of VPN or remote desktop?
2: Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the more important things I would say is um, having a static IP. Um, I think that's really important if uh, regardless of whether you're going with a VPN route or remote, uh, you know, desktop server route, uh, you really need that static IP because uh, one of the issues that we've seen with um, a client with a specific client who decided not to go with static IP that uh, So they have a dynamic IP range. I'm sorry if I'm getting a little bit too technical. No, no, no. Go, go, go. This is interesting. Yeah, but uh, the static IP makes it so that your IP addresses um, assigned to certain certain network equipment that you have won't change. And so what that means is when you set it manually, then you set it to a specific IP address and it just works. But if you don't have that static IP set up, if you do have the dynamic IP range that is default um, from these ISP companies, they just give you you know, dynamic IP, um, then that IP address that you set in manually will eventually change, whether it be a few weeks, a few months, um, it's gonna change and everything's gonna break. So uh, at that point, when, when everything does break, you'll just have to go hunt down the IP address that changed. Uh, you know, go back to the setting where you manually input it, change it again. We've seen it a few times, and it's. Uh, I, th- I feel like that is a very solvable um, issue. Um, I mean, it does cost a little bit of money. Uh, you do need to talk to that your ISP service and uh, purchase the static IP, but uh, but that is one of the most common issues that we do see. Um, you know, just a preventative measure. Man, that that's gold. If if anybody's
0: listening or watching or reading, and, and this is one thing you take away, I mean that's just so simple comparatively to the kind of uh to the problems, to the amount of problems down the line where you have to get everybody involved, stop work, and figure out what's going on. That is a really good little advice. Um, I appreciate that. Henrik, what do you what what, what can you add to this conversation that Again, to, to, we're talking implementation in this Sure,
3: sure. So just to um, say there's there's a couple of different ways before Zaheen clarified at the end that he was really talking about how is your business connected to the internet? Because that's really the context he was talking about. It wasn't clear to me in the beginning that he might also be talking about like how, what's your home internet connection like? And so I think what Saheens saying, and I want him to correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's important to have a static IP connection for your business. Make sure you have enough bandwidth. Um, some clients when we first meet them have such a small office they've gone with sort of like a home style internet connection that's lower in cost and that's probably where the first problem is going to happen there should be no problem at all with having a lower cost home style connection for your home where your laptop is where you're trying to get your work done am i right about that scene that's yeah yeah thank you okay so yeah go ahead and you know get a standard residential grade credential connection for home but for your business You want to upgrade to that business class connection that has that static IP. I think that's really the nutshell of what Sahin was going after there. Um, For some of the techies that might have been listening, you might have been thinking about, well, he's talking about how the network is set up inside the office. Like, nope, nope, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about how's your business connected to the internet.
0: Mm. Uh, Any other advice on the implementation on a beforehand, before you plug it all in and tell your employees to jump and start using it? Anything else, Harry or Henrik, that you guys would advise to consider? Uh,
3: I, I know there's one thing that these guys have run into before, and that is, if you're trying to connect to the desktop and getting work done, it's powered off in the evening once you've got home. So how have you guys solved that
1: for folks? Harry. Well, we in our case, we've had, a, we, we have an in-house solution um, where we change the power settings on the workstation. We have a custom power settings that we apply to. Well, for our clients who use remote desktop, we know that it's, it's paramount, it's mandatory for their workstations to be online when they leave the office when they're working from home. So we have custom power settings that we apply to those workstations just to make sure that they are always online. Now, there are scenarios where they could have a power outage, someone could just trip a line, the device could go offline. There are scenarios where that goes offline, but for most of our cases, the the the, the custom power settings keeps those devices online and make sure that they're always available for our clients to connect to.
0: Hmm.
3: And there I think making that configuration change is probably a standard part of our assessment process, right? You come to us, you ask us to help you with this, and making sure you have a good business connection to your ISP and making sure that the power settings are appropriate, kind of the problems we've run into so many times that we proactively just make sure that stuff gets done before we, as a part of the implementation.
2: One of the first things we do, yeah.
1: Correct, correct. And another thing too that we also consider as part of our implementation is security, Hmm. uh, which is paramount, which had touched on earlier. So we we try to make sure that whoever is connecting to the device has some form of two-factor authentication whether it's through, it could also just be single sign-on. Maybe it's it's SSO to another application that they use, a more secure application, or it's a two-factor authentication. So one way or the other, we always try to make sure that there is another level of security. That um, they don't just have to put in an email and a password. There's also a second layer before they're able to access um, a secure network and data. And, and we just a little sec-
0: sorry to interrupt, Henrik, but. Keep, keep that, keep pin, pin that thought. We have done a, a pretty significant topic coverage on two of a versus SSO, Harry. Yeah. And so if you're watching and and listening and reading, um, you can refer back, to, I think maybe three or four episodes ago it was fairly recent. We'll link it out in the notes in the article itself. But if you're watching, you know, go back a couple episodes and it's, it's two of a two factor authentication SSO. We've done a pretty decent job, um, punching that that topic into submission. Go ahead Henrik. Oh, I
3: was just going to say he made the little security guy in my heart smile by bringing that topic up.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so your your whole domain is security, right? Is it or is it yeah, it's, it's one of my areas of specialization for arc it yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um so, all right. So we 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 touched on implementation. I think let's let's just flow through. Let's say we did implement uh or or a client or or architecture firm implements um the system. It's either remote or VPN, uh, whatever fits their needs. Now let's talk about support and some of the issues that you guys keep dealing with and getting tickets uh that may, you know, some of the things that may help prevent those issues. Let's do two or three and we can wrap up. We don't need to like cloud people with all this, but give me a few. You
1: can go ahead and take this one.
2: <laughs> a few issues. Well, definitely the first one. Well, I think we've touched on the major issues that we've run into already. First one being the, uh, the, the IP address changing. So, and the second one being the computers turning off. Those are two things that we see really often. Um, but other than that, I can't really think of two. Well, so let me, let let me, let's say this, like this is, if there are no
0: real problems, let's not create, let's not make them up.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: I I think, I think from what I would say from my end is something else, I don't think it's a problem. It's, it's more of a security feature, but can it be something that users have to be aware of as passwords do expire. Um, so we get requests for I can log into my VPN, I can't log into my remote desktop. Most of the time it's just an expired password, which is a security implementation. You know, we have expirations for those passwords for a reason. Uh, another scenario, more of an advanced scenario that I've also seen is you it's kind of out of the user's control, is just your ISP changes the route changes its route. So you're working in the morning, you're able to reach your network resources. For some reason, in the afternoon, you're no longer able to reach your network resources. Um, So it's not within your control, it's just for some reason, your internet service provider has changed the route and now your VPN or your remote desktop connection is no longer working. Now that requires a bit of troubleshooting, technical expertise, which is where your IT department comes in. Uh, but yeah, except password change and that happening, I, I don't see much of an issue with remote access. Remote access. Oh, I,
3: I would throw out there that there's also workarounds, and and I guess I would ask the team, how often has ArcIT helped clients implement a workaround? Like, again, maybe you have an outage from your ISP. I have outages from my ISP once or twice a year for four hours at a time. What do you mm. do in that case? Personally, I tether to my phone, right? Wi-Fi connect my laptop to my, my phone, and I connect to work. My expectation at that point as a person not using design applications is it's not going to be a great experience. Have you guys helped anybody make that tethering connection?
2: What's it like at that point? Not yeah, go ahead. I mean, it's not really something that we see too often. Generally, if uh if an ISP has an outage, we kind of um we're all hands on deck with working with the ISP on getting this resolved, as opposed to really like finding workarounds. Because I mean the idea is that if the if there's no network at the office, that means they can't access server files. They can't work off, you know, like cloud applications and you know, it's just kind of it just gets a little messy there. So, you know, they'll have internet access to go, you know, web browse and you know, if and even if they have their files hosted on a cloud service, that's great. Then, you know, they would be able to access it. But for the most part, um, a lot of those files are hosted intern on the internal network, so they just don't have access.
1: Yeah, from my own experience, um, workarounds that we've offered would be one mobile deck um, hotspots. Because when when we get when I get those calls or those tickets about troubleshooting an issue where a VPN is no longer working. Um, remote desktop connection is no longer working. If I'm trying to run a trace route to see where the drop is happening, um, if I find out that it's happening in the main network, an alternate option could be, a, can you connect your device to the mobile hotspot? That is a, an alternate network that's almost readily immediately available to the client. Um, if for some reason you're not able to do that, another option could be, is there a nearby coffee shop next year? Just walk into and just help us test this out. So there's always options that we try to give our clients and have them walk and make sure they're able to get back to work.
0: I, I appreciate you guys' uh input on this. This is I think this has been helpful. Um we'll let our viewers uh, decide that. But I, I want to finish out by talking about security a little bit. And and Henrik, you have a lot of experience in this field. This is sort of you, you, you know, this is sort of your your, your baby. What's some of the security weaknesses? And we don't need to go too deep on this, but some of the things you recommend uh, architecture firms who are moving remote uh, to think about from a security standpoint, security weaknesses on uh, remote setups.
3: Yeah, I think the the two or three highly related projects that ArcIT takes on most frequently are to make sure that there's some form of multi-factor authentication. All of us are familiar with getting that little text code or looking on an app on our phone and confirming via some rotating code and typing that in. Um, Your VPN connection or your remote desktop connection really ought to be secured by more than just your username and your password. That third piece of info, that rotating code or whatever it is, really needs to be in place. If it's not, that's pretty significant risk. Um, we emphasize putting that in place before the second item. The second item I would put on that list is making sure that your password is reasonably strong. Um, you know, We've all heard the jokes about my password's password, or it's password123, <laughs> or it's the name of my cat, and it's posted on Facebook. right? Hopefully, we're all past that point. Um, but even password managers like LastPass are saying, no matter what, you know, like your password's got to be 12 characters long starting tomorrow. That's a real thing, just so you know, in the news right now. LastPass is forcing that for their master passwords. Um, just making sure it's long enough, complex enough. And if you have to decide between, let's say, a 20-character password that's kind of simple, meaning it's a bunch of really simple words stuck together and a 12-character password that's really complicated, here's a sneak preview of the advice. Go with a longer password that's kind of simple.
0: Hmm. Okay, good points. Um, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. You got to go back to to what you do best, which is helping clients and uh, hopefully... We, we truly hope this was helpful. I mean, um, you know, let us know what your thoughts are. You can always reach out to us at getarchit.com. And uh, look, if you are architecture designer, or engineering firm, and you need help with your IT, you know, we're here. Harry's here. Henrik's here. Zahin is here. Uh, we have a lot more. A lot of other engineers, hopefully we'll be able to invite them on the show so you can meet them. But uh, we got talent. We got talent. We got passionate people and we're here to help. Uh, and if nothing else, you know, if just the info helps you out. We're happy with that as well. Uh, thank you everybody for watching. Harry, thank Henrik, you. Zaheen, appreciate your time, gentlemen. Yep.
1: Take care, folks. We'll Again. see you all
0: next time. Thank you for watching.